listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our reading this morning is from Proverbs 8. It's a little long, so bear with me. Does not wisdom call and understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all who live. O simple ones, learn prudence, acquire intelligence, you who lack it. Hear, for I will speak noble things and from my lips will come what is right. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, rulers rule, and nobles, all who govern rightly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earthen fields or the world's first bits of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily in his delight, playing before him always, playing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the human race. And now, my children, listen to me, Happy are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Happy is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from God. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. The word of God for the people of God. There we go. Sorry, my, my mic was off. Can you hear me better now? Okay, there we go. Um, you missed the opening joke. That's, uh, no. <laughs> We're working our way through the book of Proverbs. That's what you need to know. Um, we touched on this last week a little bit. We talked about the structure of Proverbs. Um, basically, Proverbs can be split into two sections if we go to the next slide. Claudia, next slide. Please, there you go, perfect. Uh, you can kind of split Proverbs into two sections. Uh, you've got Proverbs proper, 
which begins in chapter 10. That's the stuff we typically think of when we think about the book of Proverbs. You know, the the short, pithy little one or two-line statements. They basically read like ancient Jewish fortune cookies, you know, if you you know that part of the book. Um, Stuff like spare the rod, spoil the child. That's a fun one, huh, guys? Um, Especially when the kids are all hopped up on Halloween candy. Um, We're going to get into Proverbs proper, chapters 10 to 31, next week. Okay, so that's coming. For this week, though, for today, we're going to spend one more week in this opening section of the book of Proverbs, uh, the first nine chapters, which is a collection of poems about wisdom. We've covered a lot from this section already. We've talked about wisdom a lot. Uh, Two weeks ago, we discussed how wisdom does not equal intelligence, right? Being wise is not the same as being smart, Uh, nor does wisdom simply flow from experience. True wisdom What the Bible means when it talks about wisdom is this gift we receive from God that helps us navigate life. If you want to live a long, happy, healthy life, you're going to need some wisdom. That's the idea here. Then last week, we looked at how the book of Proverbs does this really interesting thing where it talks about wisdom as if she's a person, right? Lady wisdom, We met two characters last week, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, these two figures who represent two very different ways of being in the world. They both issue an invitation. They both invite us to follow them. Lady Folly calls to us from the darkness, right, in secret. If we go with her, we're promised that we're going to have a lot of fun, but it'll lead to death. On the other hand, if we pitch our tent with Lady Wisdom, if we dine with Lady Wisdom at her table, then we're promised that we will have life to the fullest. Are we tracking with all this so far? Is this like ringing a bell? That's basically the last two weeks of sermons in a nutshell right there. For today, we're going to spend one more week with Lady Wisdom, and we're about to see just how deep the rabbit hole goes on this, you guys. Strap in, because this goes to some interesting places. Um, because, see, according to the book of Proverbs, wisdom is not just a concept. Uh, it's not just an abstract idea or skill that can be personified, you know, symbolized as a person, lady wisdom. But the book of Proverbs actually goes further than that. And it tells us that Lady Wisdom is the very principle of creation. She's an entity that is older than the universe itself. And if you read between the lines a little bit, it almost sounds like she's on equal footing with God. We get our first glimpse of this idea in Proverbs 3, verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth... By understanding, God established the heavens. It's an interesting statement, right? It's the kind of thing that's like easy to miss if you are just like breezing through, skimming through Proverbs. It's easy to just skip right over this line and like think nothing of it. Just to make sure that we don't do that though, the book of Proverbs gives us, gives us this speech from Lady Wisdom in chapter 8 that really drives the point home. I'm going to start uh, in verse 22 of chapter 8, if you're following along. Remember, this is wisdom speaking to us here. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. 
Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. When God established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was beside him like a master worker. This is quite the claim from Lady Wisdom, right? It almost sounds like she's equating herself with God, right? Like, the, the theology police at most churches would not be on board with this. <laughs> they would have, excuse me, um, that doesn't work. It's, it's almost as if Lady Wisdom and God are co-eternal. Like, she, she might not be quite equal with God, but she's uncomfortably close if Proverbs 8 is to be believed. Lady Wisdom is the first She's the master worker. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work. Now, we got a room full of Christians here, right? Right? Good. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so, so let me ask you all. Um, when you hear these words from Lady Wisdom, when you read this, when Julie read this for us a few minutes ago, where did your mind go? Like, what, what did you think of? James, you thought of the Holy Spirit? A good, that's a good answer. It's, it's, especially with all the creation stuff, right? You think of the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Yeah, you think of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Martha? Wisdom infuses all of creation. Wisdom infuses all of creation. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty uh, powerful image to think about. Yeah. Anywhere else that your mind goes with this? Mother Nature? Okay, Julie thinks about Mother Nature. There's a lot, there's a lot of nature imagery here. Of course, there's an answer I'm looking for. Let me ask it this way. And there are more than one right ways to answer this, but who was with God in the beginning, Christians? Jesus. Yes, the, the, the Sunday school answer, Jesus. Yeah, this makes me think of Jesus along with all that other really good stuff. <laughs> like, it's all, it's all good. But I, I showed this passage to Pastor Alicia this past week. She reads it, and she goes, they're talking about Jesus, right? Like, as Christians, when we read this, Holy Spirit, Jesus, like, these are some of the images that should be coming to mind. When wisdom refers to herself as the first, right, the alpha, we might say, partnering with God before the heavens were formed, that should trigger some kind of image of Jesus, I set this all up for us this morning, actually, uh, with our call to worship. Our responsive reading today was from Colossians 1 that we started the church service with. Um, the book of Colossians, if you're not familiar, is a letter written a long time ago by the Apostle Paul to a church in a town called Colossae. And in the opening chapter of that letter, Paul describes Jesus, and out of nowhere, Paul breaks into poetry. Like, like regular words, prose kind of fail him, and he gives us practically a hymn. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. It's almost like Paul is riffing on Proverbs 8, right? Do you see the connection here? There's another uh, similar sort of example. There's actually a lot of examples in the New Testament. Um, But this one's from the opening lines of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word. (coughs) Excuse me. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. The Word became flesh and lived among us, and we we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son. Do you see the parallels with Proverbs 8? It's like the first Christians saw something in Jesus that reminded them of Lady Wisdom. See, a number of ancient cultures, practically all ancient cultures, had this idea that there's some sort of a force kind of binding the universe together. Uh, The ancient Greeks called it Sophia, the goddess of wisdom. Um, George Lucas called it the force, (laughs) right? Um, In in most cultures, it was usually seen as, as a god or a goddess, like one god among many. But that didn't work for the ancient Israelites, Right? They, they only believe in one God. So instead of a, a separate God, a lesser God or goddess like the Greeks, and instead of an impersonal force like George Lucas, the ancient Israelites talked about the wisdom of God. Lady wisdom is how they got at this idea. She was with God in the beginning. The fundamental principle of creation. When God said, let there be light, Lady Wisdom flipped the switch. If you imagine God as a seamstress sewing the universe together, Lady Wisdom is the thread, right? That's the idea here. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth and established the heavens. Now, the New Testament authors, uh, being good Jewish kids who knew their Bibles, they connected the dots for us. They realized that in Jesus, they had glimpsed the very wisdom of God in human form. It was almost as if Lady Wisdom put on flesh and dwelled among us. Now, this is where I've got to be really careful. Because, like, this, this could go off the rails real quick. Um, it wouldn't take much for this sermon to devolve into one of those conversations you had in your dorm room with your friends freshman year. You know, like, the, the first time you saw The Matrix or, or whatever, whatever the movie was. Like, like, dude, what if Jesus is wisdom, right? Like, that could get really abstract super quick. All right, we're not going to do that. <clears throat> I want to keep this grounded. I want to think about what this actually has to do with us here in the real world? What are the takeaways, practically, when we think of this mysterious connection between wisdom and creation and God and Jesus? First takeaway is uh, actually pretty basic. This is like Bible reading 101, but it's something that as Christians we don't do often enough. We need to read the Old Testament with Jesus-shaped lenses. I have heard from so many Christians who don't know what to make of the Old Testament. Right? It's really long. 
It's intimidating. There's a lot of violence, which I personally find entertaining. <laughs> but, you know, we, it makes us uncomfortable. It, the Old Testament reflects this, this very ancient, very distant, alien sort of culture that we don't understand. So what we usually do is we ignore it. We stick to the New Testament as if the Bible started in Matthew and ended in Revelation. Of course, come to think of it, most of us don't know what to make of Revelation either. But what you end up with is we ignore like three-quarters of the Bible, like it doesn't exist. But this connection between Jesus and Lady Wisdom shows us a little of how the first Christians read the Old Testament and how we can read it too. As Christians, we are only going to read the Old Testament well. We're only going to read the Bible well if we keep Jesus front and center. It's so important. The Bible is one story. It's a unified story that leads to God, and the main character of that story is Jesus. Jesus was shaped by the Old Testament. He was reared in it. The Old Testament was his Bible. He quotes from it. Um, all of Jesus' teachings are found in the Old Testament. All of them. He's pulling it all from the Old Testament. Jesus saw his story as a continuation of God's story with Israel in the Old Testament. So when we read our Bibles, when we crack open the Old Testament, we should be looking for traces of Jesus. We should be looking for signs of Jesus, images, foreshadowing of Jesus. When we come across something that seems really strange or foreign or not quite right to us, we should be asking, like, what, does, does Jesus say anything about this? Does this connect with anything Jesus teaches? The first Christians read these words about Lady Wisdom, and they saw Jesus. We've got to do the same sort of thing. We've got to read the Old Testament with Jesus-shaped lenses. That's the first takeaway. Second takeaway, Lady Wisdom reveals the feminine side of God. I'll take a big drink of water on this one. Most of the language we use when we talk about God <clears throat> in church and in broader culture, it should be said, um, is masculine language, right? And in fairness, most of the language the Bible uses when it talks about God is masculine language. Most, but not all. When we read about the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, uh, what as Christians reading with Jesus lenses, we should see as the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God in the Old Testament is feminine. It's a she. In Genesis, in the creation story, when the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, it literally reads, she is hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God is feminine. The prophet Isaiah writes about God crying out like a woman in labor in Isaiah 42. Hosea, another prophet, describes God on two different occasions as a mama bear protecting her cubs. It's in Hosea 11 and 13. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy describes God as a mother eagle and talks about God birthing her people. It's in Deuteronomy 32. All these feminine images of God. God is a kid doing circles around the, around the sanctuary. It's all good. He'll find his way. 
we see a similar use of feminine imagery and openness to feminine imagery for God in the New Testament. Um, In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus describes God as a woman searching for a lost coin, right? She flips over everything. She cleans under every table to find that coin. And probably the most famous example in Matthew, Jesus applies a feminine metaphor to himself as he weeps over Jerusalem. This is in Matthew 23, verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. God has a feminine side. And that really shouldn't surprise us because it tells us on the very first page of the Bible Quite literally, uh, Genesis 1, verse 27, we find this. God created humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Both male and female reflect the image of God. God contains within God's self both the fullness of masculinity and femininity, Both are made in God's image. Lady wisdom is but one of many symbols, images, metaphors pointing us to this reality. When we grow in wisdom, we grow in God. When we draw near to Lady Wisdom, we are drawing near to God. Uh, In Proverbs 9, which you're going to read this week uh, if you do the going deeper from your bulletins, Proverbs 9 says that Lady Wisdom's house is at the highest point in the city. Does anyone know what the highest point in Jerusalem was? Top of your head? The temple. God's house is the house of Lady Wisdom. Because Lady Wisdom is a feminine image of God. I know this might make some of us a little uncomfortable. We're not, we're not used to using feminine language to talk about God. Uh, it might be a very foreign concept. But here's why this is so important. Number one, it's biblical. Right? The Bible uses feminine images and language for God. If the Bible's open to it, we should be too. But also, and this one cuts pretty deep for me, Uh, I know a lot of people who have walked away from church altogether because of our exclusively masculine language for God. I know Christians who struggle to pray. I know individuals who aren't even comfortable in our church because when they hear God referred to as Father, when they hear masculine language for God, it triggers something in them. There's trauma there. For someone like that, or if you are someone who's in that position, if you've struggled with this sort of thing, finding God and Lady Wisdom could be your ticket home. Seeing Jesus as that mother hen gathering her brood, relating to the Spirit of God as she hovers over the waters, that could be a faith saver for you. If you wrestle with this stuff, if it causes you to stumble to call God Father in your prayers? Call God Mother. It's fine. She can take it. Both male and female are made in her image. It's okay. Amen. Thank you. 
Let Lady Wisdom be your ticket home. Last takeaway. The joy of pursuing Lady Wisdom is for everyone. There's this wonderful line uh, in Proverbs 8, toward the end of the chapter, when Lady Wisdom is talking about her work with God in creation from the beginning. She says, I was daily God's delight, playing before him always, playing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Playing, delighting, running around a sanctuary. There is a joy in pursuing wisdom that we really can't overstate. There's a playfulness. It isn't about legalism and perfection. It's about the joy, the excitement, the energy that comes when you are growing and maturing. I I think of uh, in our kitchen at home, we've got a spot on the wall where we mark the height of our kids, right? Just about every parent does this. But I think about when like Miriam and Zeke get next to that wall and they're like tiptoeing up to see how tall they are. That joy, that's the sort of joy we're being called to in pursuing wisdom. Last week after church, um, someone actually stopped me and asked a really good question. Where is the grace in Proverbs, right? Where is the grace in all this wisdom talk? I thought about it all week. I finally have a good answer. Here's the grace. God wants us to experience joy. God wants us to live life to the fullest. God wants her creatures living long, healthy, vibrant, prosperous lives, and wisdom is a tool to help us do that. God wants us to navigate the world well because God loves us. God cares about us. God cares what we do with our lives. That's where the call to wisdom comes from, and as we grow in wisdom, we grow in God. As we draw near to wisdom, we draw near to Christ. And that invitation is for everyone. Um, right at the start of this passage, actually, Proverbs 8, 4, Lady Wisdom declares that her cry is to all who live. She delights in the whole human race. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for the super intelligent or the super holy. It's not even just for Christians. This invitation is for everyone to partake of wisdom. God wants all of God's children to experience the joy of wisdom. And for the next few weeks, as we go through the rest of Proverbs, as we dive into Proverbs proper, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of what that looks like together. That's the plan anyway. Let's pray. God, thank you for the invitation to pursue Lady Wisdom. Thank you for embodying Lady Wisdom in such a real way in Jesus. Thank you for revealing a bit of your feminine side to us, Lord, and for inviting all people to this journey marked by joy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. 
Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.